Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Proverbs chapter 24, and we're going to read uh, verses 3 and 4. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. And the title of my message tonight is The Blessedness of a Renewed Mind. The blessedness of a renewed mind. So if you're taking notes, you may want to write that at the top of your notes. The blessedness of a renewed mind. Let me give an introduction to my message this evening by sharing some of the things that the Lord has put on my heart a number of weeks ago. And... Um, I just want to lay a foundation on what I want to share with you tonight. I believe, according to the Word of God, that the most valuable commodities in our universe are wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You will not find any more valuable things than three, these three things. Remember them. You want to write them down. And when you pray, this is what you should ask for. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. All three of them are spiritual. And all three are found in the Word of God. Having these, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, knowing how to operate in them will make us the most prosperous, the most blessed, and the most successful people on the face of the earth. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Through wisdom a house is built. And by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There they are, the three things. Anything you and I want to build in life that will last the test of time, it must be built by wisdom, understanding and knowledge. You want to build a life, you're going to need wisdom. You're going to need understanding, and you're going to need the knowledge of God. You want to build a family, you want to build a career, you want to build a ministry, you want to build a church, you want to build a life that will glorify the Lord, you've got to have those three commodities. For it is through wisdom that a house is built. Amen. And have you noticed that love is not even mentioned? Isn't that strange? Proverbs says in the next verse, A wise man is strong. You want to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his mind? Get wisdom. Get understanding. A man of knowledge increases strength. That's how we fight our battles in the realm of the spirit. The enemy is not, is not intimidated by physical stature and physical strength, but he is intimidated by the person who carries the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. 
The, the word of God says that God used these three spiritual forces to create the worlds that we live in, both visible and invisible. Everything that you see and everything that you do not see, God used these three forces to create them. And that is written in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, he founded the earth. That's why the earth is unshakable. No matter how many hurricanes, no matter how many earthquakes, no matter how many uh, disasters this, this poor earth has faced, it continues to rotate and it continues to stand. Why? Because the Lord founded the earth by wisdom. And by understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. You see, Paul, knowing this truth, and that's what I want to communicate to you this evening, understanding this truth that I am sharing with you, will make all of the difference in your prayer life. Paul, the apostle, understood the powers of these forces. And that's why when he prayed for the church, he only prayed for these three things. Notice how he prays in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. He prays for the church and he says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Notice what he asks for. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Number one. In all wisdom. Number two and spiritual understanding, number three. There they are again. Three, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Why does he ask for this? He explains it in the next verse. He says, if you have these three things, you will walk worthy of the Lord, you will be fully pleasing Him, and you will be fruitful in every good work and you will increase in the knowledge of God you will be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy do you see that so when you pray for yourself for your loved ones for the people that you care about ask for these three things Lord Fill them this day with the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so they may walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, and be fruitful in every good work. Very simple prayer, yet very powerful. You don't have to ask for a whole lot of things. Once a person has these three spiritual forces operating in their lives, you cannot put that person down. He will always succeed in whatever he does. But tonight, we will focus on one of them, spiritual knowledge. We will focus on knowledge and how to obtain this knowledge. I believe that the measure of spiritual knowledge we possess will determine the measure of faith we exercise. You cannot believe God beyond the level of your knowledge. So your faith will only be in proportion to the level of knowledge that you have of God. So the measure of knowledge we possess, and I'm not talking about natural knowledge, I'm speaking about spiritual knowledge, the knowledge of God, will be the measure of faith that you and I exercise, and the measure of faith we exercise 
will determine the measure of grace that operates in our lives. Everything that you and I receive from God, it is received by grace through faith. By grace through faith. Amen? So if we desire to have more grace operating in our lives, then we need to have more knowledge. The more knowledge we have, the more faith we have, the more faith we exercise, the more grace operates in our lives. Amen? <coughs> I say that because faith operates on the platform of revelation knowledge. Faith needs a platform or a foundation upon to work. And that platform is knowledge. Where there is knowledge, you don't have to strive for faith. You don't struggle to believe when you know. When you know that you know that you know, you rest. And faith always rests in the promises of God. When you know God loves you, you stop worrying, you stop stressing. If you're still stressing and you're still anxious and you're still worried, and you still cannot go to sleep at night, that means you do not believe that God loves you. If you continue to live in fear, then you're not operating by faith. You are lacking the knowledge of God. You see that? One helps the other. Where there is knowledge, there is always faith present. That's what I've experienced. So, in reality, listen carefully, because many people think they have a faith problem. So they keep asking God to give them more faith. Lord, give me more faith, because what I have is not enough. No, you don't need more faith. We don't have a faith problem, but we do have a knowledge problem. So you want to write that down. We don't have a faith problem, but we do have a knowledge problem. Yes, thank you, Anna. Okay, that's right there. That's fine. Oh, that's just that's just perfect. Thank you very much. So, lack of knowledge. Listen carefully. Lack of knowledge is the cause. Of all the heartaches, all the failures, all the troubles within the church. I want to say that again. All the root cause of all of the failures, of all of the troubles, of all of the heartaches, of all of the pain in the church, is a lack of knowledge. God said this, I didn't say it, through the mouth of Hosea, that his people, he said, are destroyed as a lack of knowledge. Now, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, you may want to write that down. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. I don't want any distractions, please. I want you to pay attention to what I'm sharing. It's, you can receive the offering maybe after the message, please. Uh, otherwise people get distracted and I, this is very, what I'm sharing with you is very, very important. I don't want you to miss it. Hosea 4.6, it says, my people, God is speaking here, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God says, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest. You see, we got to value knowledge more than anything else. Because if we reject the knowledge of God, God has no choice. He cannot protect us. He cannot provide for us. He cannot defend us. If we lack knowledge. 
When you lack knowledge, you lack faith. When you lack faith, God cannot move. Amen? So, you often hear people saying that, well, how many of you have heard this saying, ignorance is bliss? You heard people say that? Well, I say that ignorance is a destroyer. What you do not know will ultimately destroy you. Amen? You go touch a live wire there because you don't know anything about electricity. And, you know? That, that current is no respecter of persons. Don't care who you are. If you're a king or a servant, you touch that electric wire, you stick your finger in that socket, you will be electrocuted. Amen? And it's not God's fault. It's your stupid head. It's our own fault. You don't know. So there are spiritual laws that govern the blessing. Spiritual laws that govern our prosperity. Spiritual laws that govern a healthy family. Spiritual laws that govern relationships. If we violate those laws that govern those blessings, it's not God's fault. It's awful because we don't know. Amen? So ignorance is a destroyer. It's not a blessing to be ignorant. Ignorance is the primary weapon that the devil uses. The, he takes advantage of what we do not know. That's why he doesn't want us to preach the gospel because the gospel is light. And where there is light... Darkness flees. He hates knowledge. He's called the prince of darkness. The prince of ignorance. So his primary weapon that he uses against believers and unbelievers alike is ignorance. Darkness is referred to ignorance in the Bible. And ignorance is the field on which the devil works. Ignorance is the platform upon which he operates. So, if you want to stop his work, if you want to destroy his works, not just in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones, what must we do? We must destroy his platform. And his platform is a lack of knowledge or spiritual ignorance. Amen? To stop his work in your life, to stop him from stealing, killing, and destroying, we must receive the light of God's word. Amen? God's word is light. And light is defined as knowledge. Psalm 130, sorry, Psalm 119, verse 30. The psalmist said, The entrance of your words give light. When you receive the word of God in your heart and in your mind, light goes on. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. So the more of the word you receive, the more light you receive within you. And... The more light you receive, the less darkness you have. You walk into this room tonight, all the lights are off. How do you get rid of the darkness? Do you take a bucket and just scoop it out? No one does that. What do you do? You flip the light switch. The moment light comes, darkness flees. Amen? So you see how important is the ministry of the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to meditate the Word of God. Because as you do, light penetrates. The entrance of thy words giveth light. And then it says, it gives understanding to the simple. Amen. Not only does the Word of God bring light, but Peter says, it multiplies the peace and the grace that we receive from God. Knowledge 
Light multiplies peace. You want to have more peace? It doesn't come by praying. It does not come by crying out to God. It does not come by fasting. It comes by receiving more knowledge. Look what the word says. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. The apostle Peter says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. I love God's knowledge. If it were not for God's knowledge, I would have been destroyed many years ago. None of you would be here without the knowledge of God. Amen. I want you to hunger after knowledge. The knowledge that comes from God alone. The knowledge that comes from meditating in His Word. So, if we want more grace, if we want more peace, we need to have more knowledge. Because it is multiplied through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord, and listen to this, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, how? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue. The Word of God says that God's divine power has already given us how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you and I will ever need in this world to live a godly life has already been provided for us through Jesus Christ. God is not going to give us anything anymore. He's already given. Amen. So it's not, it's not you begging God to give you. God is not going to do something he's already done. He's already given us all of the things that pertain to life and godliness. But the thing is, how do we experience all those things that God has given us? How do we experience them? How do we receive them? God has given, but we have to take them. Amen? God's grace is given, but we have to reach out and take what is given. How do we experience and receive all those things? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue. Do you see it? Simple, isn't it? The more you know of what God has done for you, the more you know how good God is, the more you know how much God loves you, the more you know how much God did for you, the more you are able to take and appropriate that which God has already given. Because knowledge is faith. And faith takes. Faith is the invisible hand that reaches out from this visible world into the invisible world, takes what God has given, brings it back into this physical, natural world. And you can see it, you can smell it, you can taste it, you can experience it. So, knowledge of God, who God is, knowledge of what the Lord has done for us on the cross through Christ, knowledge of who we are in Christ, knowledge of what we have in Christ, Knowledge of what we can do through Christ Jesus destroys and eliminates the work of the devil in our lives. Remember those things. Know who God is. 
Know who you are in Christ. Know what belongs to you because you are in Christ. Know what you can do in Christ Jesus. All of this knowledge destroys the work of the devil in our lives. It eliminates it. It destroys its platform. So he has no platform to operate on. It's just like you pull the rug under his feet and he cannot operate because you fill with the knowledge of God. Amen? Hence the reason the Lord has instructed us. He said, go and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news to every creature. Why? Because as we proclaim the good news, light comes. Where light is, darkness flees. And the minds of the people are set free from darkness, from ignorance. And they are able to see with the spiritual eyes what the Lord has done for them. That God is not angry with them anymore. That God has forgiven all of their sins. That God loves them. He's not after them to punish them. He's after them to bless them. And instead of running away from God, they will run towards God. Because the darkness that was in the minds was expelled through the good news that you proclaimed. That's why Jesus said, Go preach the gospel. Go tell them what I have done for them. The word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased the Lord that through the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us, it is the power of God unto salvation. God chooses to save people through the simple preaching. As you preach, as I preach, light comes to you. The word of knowledge comes to you. Understanding comes to you. Wisdom is imparted to you. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that quickens. Amen. So, if we desire to grow in the development of our faith, we must first grow in the knowledge of God and His Word. Because knowledge, listen carefully, is the fuel of our faith. You know what fuel is? You call it gas here. We call it petrol in South Africa. Now, you may have the most expensive mode of transportation parked outside your garage door. You can, you can imagine the most expensive vehicle parked. But you know what? Without fuel, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to go anywhere. Why? Because your, your mode of transportation needs what? Few. So it is with faith. We have the faith of God, the Bible says. And the faith can take you places. Faith can do anything that God can do. Faith will transport you from poverty to prosperity. Faith will transport you from sickness and disease to health and healing. Faith can transport you from fear into faith and love and take you into another world, another atmosphere altogether. But if you don't have the fuel for your faith, you're not going to go anywhere. You're stuck. There's nothing wrong with our faith. Amen? We have the faith, but listen carefully. Without the mind that is filled with the knowledge of God, our faith will not work. That's why many believers are stuck. Because their minds have not been renewed yet 
with the knowledge of God. They still have that old stinking mind. You see, when you get born again, your spirit man becomes a brand new man. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you still have the same old mind. You didn't receive a new mind. If you were stupid before you got born again, you're stupid after you get born again. <laughs> Your body didn't, you didn't receive a new body. Amen? If you were handsome before you got born again, you'll still be handsome after you get born. If you were ugly before you got born again, you're still going to be ugly. Because our body has not changed. Our mind has not changed. Our spirit man has become a brand new man. And that's why the word of God says, take my word, be not conformed to this world, but be ye renewed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. You see, so many believers want God to do what he told us to do. God is not going to change your mind. And God is not going to do anything with your body. You can pray until you're blue in the face. You can cry with all begging God to do something about your body, like lose weight. But I want to tell you something. If you don't take control of your body, nothing is going to happen. God will not do what he told us to do. He said, present your body as a living sacrifice unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, do not conform. Don't think like the world thinks. You are in another kingdom. Don't have the same values that the world has. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So many believers in the church. Churches are full of people. You ask them, do you know what God's purpose, what God's will is for you? They don't know. They don't know that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. They question. They have doubts. They have fears. I don't know. I don't know if I'm walking in God's will. I don't know if I'm fulfilling my purpose. Why don't they know? Because of the stupid heads. Because their minds have not been renewed. Amen. A renewed mind. Listen carefully. I believe that the greatest need of the church today is a spiritual mind. A renewed mind. A renewed mind is a spiritual mind. It is a mind that is filled with the knowledge of God and one that is constantly stays on God. The Bible says that to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death and depression and fear and sickness and oppression. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, a renewed mind will always evaluate everything from a spiritual standpoint. A renewed mind will look at things from God's perspective. But a carnal mind, an unrenewed mind, will always look at, look at things from the opposite side, from the worldly point of view, from the natural standpoint, from the physical standpoint. But a renewed mind will look at things and will see God. Because it evaluates everything from God's perspective. From above and not from beneath. And that's the secret to a life of victory. So, as long as our minds are kept in the dark or unrenewed concerning the truth, we will continue to be defeated in life 
being alienated from the lives that Christ came to give us. You see, a darkened mind alienates you, separates you from the life of God. But a light, a mind that is filled with the light of the glorious gospel draws you near to God. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says in the Good News Translation, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. This is powerful. He said, your life is shaped by your thoughts. In other words, your life will always go in the direction of your predominant thoughts. What you spend your time thinking on, that's what you will end up doing. So be careful how you think. Amen? Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You are who you think you are. You have what you think you have. No more than that. And you can do what you think you can do. And I'll tell you this. You will never be able to function above and beyond the level of your thoughts. Your faith will never rise above the level of your thinking. Your thinking will be the, 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 the cork in the bottle that stops you. That's why some people are always kept down. Always, no matter what you do for them, no matter how you minister to them, if, if they don't change the way they think, they will always be down. Why? Because their thoughts continue to trip them up. Trip them up. It's the way they think. It's the way they think. And unless you can change the person's thoughts, you will never be able to change his life. It will be like a vicious cycle. Defeat after defeat. One crisis after another crisis. Why? Because that's what they think. They can't think about that. But thank God there is a cure. Our thoughts can limit us, imprison us, or our thoughts can free us. And empower us to live the life that Christ came to give us. So, if we want to change our lives, write this down. Don't jump on your behavior. Jump on your thoughts. Don't start with trying to change the way you behave. You'll never succeed. Change the way you think. So if we want to change our lives, we must first change our thoughts. This is the true meaning of the word repentance. The Greek word for repentance comes from two Greek words. Meta, no, meaning change of mind. Change the way you think. That's how you change your life. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. For as far as the heavens from the earth, even so are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. But, then he goes on to say, so is my word. So God gave us his word and within his word contained are his thoughts so that we can change the way we think to the way God thinks as we receive the light of his words. If you want to know what God thinks, read his word. Amen? And that's how we change the way we think. So this kind of repentance has got nothing to do about regret, tears, guilt, or shame. It implies making a decision to turn around and to face a new direction. That's what repentance means. 
So, this is the reason, the primary reason. God instructed us to meditate in His Word day and night. Remember what He said to Joshua? Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate day and night. That doesn't mean you walk around with the Bible in front of your face. No. While you go doing your daily work, you think about God. You think about His Word. Just like you spend days worrying and being anxious, you are about doing your work, but inside you are, you are stressed, you worry. Worry is meditation in the negative. But meditation in the positive is meditating and thinking about what God says. That's why he says you are to constantly meditate. Think about my word. Think about me. Think about my promises. Think about my love. Think about my goodness. Think about what I've done for you. Think about how much I love you. Think about what I have done for you. Think about my son. Think about how I did not spare him but gave him up for you and sacrificed him. So that you could have eternal life. Think about that. The more you think about that, the more real it becomes to you. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, he says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about the good. Think about the praiseworthy. Think about what is just. Think about what is noble. Think about what is lovely. If it's not lovely, spit it out. Don't even think about it. Don't even talk about it. Yeah. It may be true, but it may not be lovely. Amen? You know, this is one of my struggles. I fail to understand often. Because I know people now. I've been pastoring for many years. How born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers would spend 45 to 60 hours a week in order to sustain themselves financially and provide for the physical needs. And yet, they will not spend just a few hours a week to study and meditate the Word of God so that we can gain the knowledge and the understanding that we need to live lives that are worthy of the Lord. The people look at us and they praise God and they say, there are the people of God. They are wonderful people. They love God. They love one another. They love others. They serve others. Look at their lives, how blessed they are. That's what's going to attract unbelievers. Not our preaching so much, but our living testimony. And to be able to live that way, you need wisdom. Knowledge and understanding. Amen. You see, God's word is like a mirror, a natural mirror, but this is a spiritual mirror. Let me ask you a question Has any one of you seen your face? How many of you have seen your face? None of you have seen your face. None of you have seen your face. What you've seen is a reflection of your face. So you want to comb your hair, you want to know what you look like in the morning, what do you do? You go to the mirror and what do you see there? You see the reflection of your face and accordingly you sort yourself out. But you've never seen your face. But you trust that natural mirror, do you not? You trust it. 
so is the word of God. It's a spiritual miracle. And I'll prove it to you. Listen to what the word of God says. In James chapter 1 verse 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This book is a spiritual mirror. And if you want to know who you really are, the only source of information that can tell you that that is true is the Word of God. So what do we do? What do we do? We look into the Word intently. And we see in that Word who we are in Christ. What we have because of... When God's Word says, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. When God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that mirror. Just like I believe the natural mirror when I see my face in the glass. That's who I am. That's what I can do. That's what I have. You know, we have an identity crisis in the church today. And that is really true. We have an identity crisis. You know why? Due to an unrenewed mind. We don't know who we are. Because we know ourselves after the flesh rather than after the spirit. If I ask you who you are, you're going to tell me in the natural, you are the son of so and so. These are your parents. You were born in such a city, in such a country. You live in such a street. But that is natural knowledge. We all know who we are in the natural, but do we really know who we are in the spirit? Do we know the authority that Christ came to give us when he shed his own blood and he said, Behold, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Do you really know the power that resides on the inside of you? If you knew, you would not fear anything. You and I have resurrection power living on the inside of us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you and I. Amen. That's why Jesus said, go, preach, heal the sick. He didn't even say, go pray that I will heal the sick. He said, you do it. You go. You preach the gospel. You lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You cast out demons. You do it. But what do we do? We cry out to God and ask Him to do it. He's never going to do it. Not unless we rise up, take our authority in Christ, and do what He said. Yes, we have an identity crisis because our minds are still unrenewed concerning who we are in Christ, what belongs to us through Christ, and the authority that God gave us in Christ Jesus to use his name. You know that in the natural, without proof of identity, you are not even recognized. It's just like you don't exist. If you cannot prove your identity, they do not recognize you. You may have a million dollars in the bank. The bank manager knows what you look like. Come the day when you need to draw some money, the first thing they ask you, identity card, please. You know, in South Africa, wherever I go, any transaction that I make, ID, please. But I said, you know me. He says, no, you cannot collect this registered letter unless you prove who you are. But you know, I've been going to that post office for 30 years. They don't 
No? Show me your ID, please. In the natural, you are not even recognized. <coughs> if you're not, if you, if you cannot prove your identity, you know that the same thing works in the spirit. If you do not know who you are in Christ and believe that with your heart, if you do not know the authority that Christ has given you and I and believe that with your heart, you cannot, the devil will not budge. I'm telling you. Amen. You will be unable to walk by faith. Without that knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus and what you have because of Him. Amen. Unable to experience the goodness of God. Unable to cast out the devil. Unable to, to do any kind of transaction in the spiritual realm. If you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus. Faith in God and faith in who God says you are and what belongs to you in Christ is your proof of identity. You remember those seven sons of Sceva? They tried to cast out the demon out of someone who was demonized. Do you know what the demon said? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And that's what the devil says to many believers. He says, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? Do you really know who you are? Do you really know what belongs to you? Do you know the power that resides within you? You see, this is the knowledge that we're talking about, folks. And we're not talking about head knowledge, we're talking about heart knowledge. We know. The Bible says, we know that we are the children of God. We know. How do we know? We know that we pass from death under life. How do you know? Because we love the brethren. We know. We don't guess. We don't wonder. We know. Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. And so many of us commit our children to the Lord, and then we spend our nights worrying about them. Why? Because we don't know in whom we have committed to him. When you know, you will go to sleep. When you know, you will rest. When you know, you want fear. When you know, you want stress. When you know you won't worry about tomorrow. Amen. 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 Praise God. And God wants us to walk in the knowledge of his word. And in the knowledge of his presence. So the word says whoever looks into this perfect law of liberty. This word continues therein. This book becomes a law of deliverance and it sets us free. It will set you free from rejection. It will set you free from all fears. It will set you free from guilt, from shame. It will set you free from inferiority complexes. It will set you free from unbelief and doubt. It will be, things will just fall off of you. Because it becomes a perfect law of liberty when you gaze into that word and you don't forget what you read, but you believe what it says and you practice what it says. Amen? Amen. This word will set us free from sickness, from disease, from poverty, from lack, will renew our way of thinking. And will set us free from our limitations and our weaknesses. 
And finally, I want to end with this thought tonight. I have been praying and asking the Lord to show me the difference between the early disciples and us modern marshmallow Christians of today. It doesn't take much to cause us to wither and falter and faint. Say, Lord, what is it that they had that we don't have? What is it that they ran to their death singing hymns and praising God? They were unafraid. They were bold as lions. This is what God showed them. The only difference, he said, between us modern Christians and the early disciples is that they had such a revelation of God's love towards them. They had such a knowledge and revelation of what Jesus did for them. They put so much value on the plan of the great salvation that everything else in their eyes seemed unimportant and insignificant. Everything took second place. That was the primary goal. That was the joy of the heart. They loved the Lord. They reveled in His love. They reveled in their salvation. And they rejoiced because they were saved. They were God's people. And they placed so much value on spiritual things that earthly things seemed so unimportant. And with that revelation, they ran to their death singing praises to God and singing hymns. That was the only difference. Folks, when we place real value on who our God is, on what He has done for us through Christ Jesus, when we place value, real value, on our salvation, then we will be able to walk through life no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances we are in, no matter what challenges come against us. We will be able to face life with our heads held high, smile on our face, and praise on our lips. So my word to you is this. How hungry are you for the knowledge of God? I believe this is our highest call in life. The most honorable and privileged call to know Him. Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable to His death. He said this one thing I do. He wasn't doing a whole lot of other things. He wasn't after ministry. He wasn't after fame. He wasn't after money. He was just after one thing. That I may know him. God will fill the hungry soul with the knowledge of his presence. May the Lord give us that hunger. That we would search and we would seek and we would study. Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. Let's pray as we close. Father, we thank you for the knowledge of your word. My heart hungers for the things of God. I pray that you will visit us with a fresh hunger that our hearts would go and hunger after you and after the things of the Spirit. For you promised and you said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. May your word take root in our hearts and in our minds tonight. 
May the words that we have heard ring in our minds and in our hearts for months to come. And may we pursue the knowledge of God more than silver and more than fine gold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.